Hello, my friends. Michael Youssef here, and I just wanted to thank you for connecting with Leading the Way. Our entire team is wholly committed to passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth of God's Word, and it cannot be done without you. Learn more about what God has charged us to do around the world by clicking around ltw.org. That's ltw.org. Thank you, and may God richly bless you as you seek to serve Him. As one year ends and another year begins, the interesting thing to me about this whole new year thing is how the unbelieving world will talk about drowning the past year in a pool of Jack Daniels, (laughs) ringing in the new year in another pool of Jack Daniels, welcoming the new year in another pool of Jack Daniels. But in reality, so many of these folks, these dear people, bless their hearts, they're not going to remember drowning, and they're not going to remember ringing in. The only thing they're going to be ringing in their heads in the morning is the hangover in and, and, and their ears. But it's for hundreds of years. This has been going on. It's nothing new. For hundreds of years, people have been trying to drown the old and bring in the new. And each year, sadly, for those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, it brings only more emptiness. It brings to them more spiritual vacuum that creates uh, discontentment in, in life. Even the ancient Rome, ancient Rome tried to celebrate the new year. And that is why the month of January comes named after the Roman god Janus. And Janus, as many of you probably know, the Roman God with two faces. One face that is looking back to the year that passed, that is filled with sorrow, it's filled with dismay, it's filled with perplexity. But then the second face that is looking forward to the new year, it's a forward-looking face. It's, it's, it's projecting hope, it's projecting confidence and optimism. And for many years, the Italians had a a fascinating way of celebrating the new year. It was not only fascinating, but it was very expensive. Because what happened in many an Italian city, they stopped it now for the last few years now, but in their desire to get rid of the old and ring in the new, right about midnight in the new year, the streets would empty of all uh, cars and people now, not because they're too drunk to drive, but <laughs> because at the stroke of midnight, the doors of the balconies and the windows began to open, and people would toss out anything and everything they did not like in their house. And I mean, crockeries, uh, ornaments, and even furniture. They will toss them out. <laughs> uh, anything in their possessions that reminded them of the old year, they tossed it out. They try to wipe it out of their mind and out of their memory by tossing it out on the street. (laughs) It's too expensive. Not only expensive for the people, but it's expensive for the government to clean up. That's why they stopped it. I am thankful that I don't have to do any of these crazy things each year. And do you know why? Because our God is a God of yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. Because our God is a a God who overrules and forgives our sins because our God controls the present in His hand, because our God assures us of the future, because our God is a God 
who is to be praised and thanked every single day of our lives because our God is a God to whom we are thankful for the past and with all of its ups and downs. It's a God to whom we are thankful for the present because He fills it with joy and He fills it with contentment. We are thankful for the future, whatever it might hold, because it's in His hand. You know, one of the great promises that always lifts me up from the Scripture is found In Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, the writer said, he himself said, referring to the Lord, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. This is a promise for next year. This is a promise for all of eternity. The writer goes on to say then, so, because of the promise, therefore, we can boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And the answer is nothing. Nobody can touch me without the permission of God because I belong to Him. You belong to Him. Now let's look at those verses together again. Verses 5 and 6. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Whatever next year may bring, it makes no difference for the child of God. Whether it brings certainty or perplexity, whether it brings joy or sorrow, whether it will bring prosperity or adversity, whether it will bring persecution or encouragement, whether it will bring acceptance or rejection, whether it will bring hardship or smooth sailing. It makes no difference to us. Why? Because He promised, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And that is why I've got nothing to drown, (laughs) and I've got nothing to ring in. (laughs) Hear me right on this one. All of my sins have already been drowned under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary. And all of my future is already ringing in His hand. For I am already right now seated in the heavenlies. Do you know that the Bible teaches that you are seated in the heavenlies if you know the Lord Jesus Christ? You say, Michael, you're standing here in the sanctuary of the church of the apostles. I may appear to you that I'm standing here, but in reality, I'm seated in heaven. I'm already with the redeemed. God sees me there in the stadium with all of the redeemed. He sees you there in the stadium with those who wash their robes with the blood of Jesus Christ. He sees you in the heaven. You are seated in the heavenly places. So what can man do to me? And the answer is nothing. I want to give you three things, three things that ought to be the marks of every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, it's contentment. Secondly, it's companionship. And thirdly, it's courage. It's contentment, it's companionship, and it's courage. And they all come out of the text, those two verses in Hebrew. Because He promised, what did He promise? Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Therefore, I'm contented because of the promise. Look at verse 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be contented with what you have. Because God said, 
Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. You know, one of the most powerful spirits that is dominating our culture today is the spirit of discontentment. It is found among the super rich. It is found among the middle class. It is found among the poor. It's found everywhere. But have you ever asked yourself, where does the spirit of discontentment come from? What causes the spirit of discontentment? And the answer is covetousness. The answer is greed. The answer is envy. The answer is wanting what others have, even if we don't need it, but we want it anyway. If your life focus, if priority number one in your life is money and more money and money, you will be discontented. I promise you, you will be discontented because there will always be somebody else who's richer than you. If your focus in life is your good looks, you will be discontented, I promise you, because there will always be somebody who's better looking than you are. If your focus in life, if your number one priority in life is your profession, you will be discontented and you will be frustrated, and I'll tell you why. Because there will always be somebody smarter than you are. There will always be somebody who's more successful than you are. In fact, the spirit of discontentment is like canker. It's eating at the soul of our nation. It's eating at our souls. I like the man who said that the one who has six kids is far more contented than the one who has six million dollars. Because the one who has six million dollars wants one more. (laughs) It's always the next million. It's always the next money. It's always the next thing. And no wonder the Apostle Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, he said, Timothy, godliness with contentment is a great gain. If we have food and clothing, we should be contented. And that is why when you focus on Jesus, when you focus on the kingdom of God, when your focus is on the work of God, when your commitment is to Him, you will be contented. Why? Because He said... Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And that is why Paul goes on to say to Timothy, he said, Timothy, discontentment comes out of greed, will drown people in destruction. Paul goes to Philippians and he says, I have learned to be contented. I have discovered the secret of rejoicing with little, and I have discovered the secret of rejoicing with much. You know, there's an ancient Chinese proverb that goes something like this. It says, if you want to be contented for one hour, get intoxicated. That's the idea of the happy hour, I guess. (laughs) That's where most of it came from. He said, if you want to be contented for three days, get married. <laughs> if you want to be contented for eight days, kill your pig and eat it. But if you want to be contented forever, learn to fish. I got a Christian application for the believers in the new year. If you truly want to be contented, if you truly want to be satisfied in life, Become a fisher of men. Become a witness for Christ. Become a soul winner. Become an ambassador of Jesus Christ. 
When Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, most of you know this is my anchor verse. When he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he was really giving us the secret for contentment. He really was. Listen to me very carefully. If you are looking for true contentment, stop going after trinkets and possessions. Start showing up at prayer meetings. Start praying for others. Start interceding for others. Start sharing your faith. Start witnessing. And watch out and see how God is going to bless you. Answer prayers that have not been answered in years. I promise you, according to the Word of God. Because you will become confident in the promise that says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. You see, it's not only contentment, but also companionship. You know, there are so many lonely people in our culture. I run into them all the time. There's so many lonely, and it's sad, it really is. Simply because many of them do not know the friend that sticks to them closer than a brother. But please understand this. Experiencing the companionship of Jesus moment by moment, day by day, is a consequence of appropriating his promise that says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Now, there are some people in our culture who pray to angels. There are others who pray to saints. There are some who actually pray to the Blessed Virgin Mary. But Jesus did not promise to send us an angel. He did not promise to send us St. Christopher or any of the saints. He didn't even promise to send us His Blessed Mother, the Virgin Mary. He said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. It's so personal. The boss of all the angels... The creator of all the angels, the commander in chief of all the angels, the Lord of all the saints, the redeemer of the blessed virgin, he himself said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon one of God's people and uses them and then goes back to heaven. The Holy Spirit came upon Samson and used him. The Holy Spirit came upon Isaiah and used him. And then he went back to heaven. And that is why David prays in the psalm saying, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. That's why he prayed that prayer. But on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit permanently came to earth to dwell in all of those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. It was for the first time in human history until that moment that the Holy Spirit came to indwell the believers. And whenever a person receives the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells in him or her. The very Holy Spirit that is the breath of God. In fact, the word spirit and breath and wind are all one word in Hebrew. And the very breath of God dwells in us. For He is the Spirit of the living God. He is the executor of the will of God. He is the full representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is God, the Holy Spirit. Don't ever refer to Him as it. He has been given the authority to indwell us when we come to Christ. And that is why 
the Bible can promise. What? Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. We, even when we grieve the Holy Spirit, and He'll be in a corner grieved, when we quench Him, He still doesn't leave us. We break His heart, but He never leaves us. You know and I know how faithfulness and friendship is a rare thing in our day. I mean, friendship is just so shallow, and, and, and it's rare. People form temporary and convenient friendships, and, and even marriages these days. What breaks a pastor's heart is to see how marriages have become temporary and, and for convenience, and you see it in, on television and the movies, and, and people talk about marriage. Well, you just give it a shot, and if it doesn't work out, you just walk out. In fact, I read about this guy the other day. He looked at his wife from his hospital bed, and he said, you know, you've always been there. You've always stood by me in all of my troubles. When I lost my shirt in that bad investment, you were there. You know, when I got in this dangerous car accident and nearly died, you were there. And when I got fired from my job, you were there. I have come to the conclusion that you're a bad luck. (laughs) We are so screwed up, aren't we? (laughs) That's how many people are thinking in terms of relationships, but not the God of the Bible. When he said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you, you can take that word and literally die for it because you know that he means it. There are so many people going around presenting Christ, a God that you kind of put in your pocket and take Him along as your friend. It's like a good luck charm, you know, that you just take Jesus along as your friend and keep Him in your pocket. And and if you ever get into trouble, you just get Him up and say, hey, God, here, rub the genie. Uh, I need you. I'm desperate for you. Help me, please. And then when you're done with Him, you put Him back in your pocket. That is the shallowness in which we are getting to. That's not the God of the Bible. Believers, faithful believers know that the God of the Bible promised, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That promise not only leads us to contentment, not only assures us of His companionship every moment of every day, but thirdly, that promise gives us courage. Look at verse 6. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. You know, as we face a new year, I listen a little bit to all the talking heads. They're playing on people's fear because there's so many people in our culture who are really looking into the new year with fear and trepidation. They really are. They're looking into the new year with dread. Many people are going around saying, oh, what will the future hold for me? What will the future hold for my children? What will the economy do? Uh, What will my next checkup from the doctor is going to say? One of the things that I've learned through the years is that most people are not so much afraid of the unknown as they are fearful of the responsibilities of life, which is the known. But when you truly claim the promise that says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, you will not be afraid either of the unknown or the known. 
You will face both with courage. You will face both with confidence. You will face both with excitement. You will face both with anticipation. You will face both with expectations. And you can't wait to see what God is going to do. I love it. When that first grader was asked what he wants to do when he grows up. And that little fellow said, he said, I want to be trainer of wild animals. Uh, I'll handle lots of fierce lions and and tigers, and I'm going to walk into their cage. And then all of a sudden, he stopped, (laughs) and he said, I'm going to have my mommy with me, of course. (laughs) But listen, you can say that. You can say that I'm going to go into the enemy's territory. I'm going to rescue the perishing. I'm going to reach to the lost. I know that that Satan is like a roaring lion, looking around trying to devour me. But by Jesus' power and in Jesus' name, I will have victory over him every time. Because Jesus is with me. He's going to be with me, of course. Because he's with me. And he promised what? Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Because that verse has blessed me through the years and always encouraged me. I've always loved reading about how This verse also ministered to others. David Livingston, in the year 1896, was invited to Glasgow University in Scotland to be given an honorary doctorate of law. And when he came into the auditorium, the audience showed their respect to him by silence. That was their way of showing him uttermost respect. And here he is, this man who was gaunt, looked haggard. It's a result of hardship in tropical Africa. You know, I know it's trendy to go to Africa now and you go and see the safaris and stuff, but not back then, not back in those days. And as he walked in, his left hand was sort of hanging helplessly by his side because it was crushed by a lion. And there he is, this great man, stood and took the podium and, and said, I'm, tonight I want to announce my resolve to return to Africa. And there was hush. He said, I'll do so without misgivings and with great gladness. Then he asked the audience a rhetorical question. He said, do you want to know What supported me through all the years away from home? Living with dear people whose language I first could not understand and whose attitude toward me was often hostile. It was this. Because God promised, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. On these words, he said, I stacked everything. And they have never failed me. They have never failed me. And my beloved friend, they will never fail you. Let's pray. In the silence of this moment, resolve in your heart that if you do not know Jesus, that you'll know him this year. That if you've known Jesus and you have been silent about him, that you'll speak this year. Because he promised, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And no matter what happens, we're not afraid 
because man cannot do a thing to us. When you are in the palms of his hands, nothing can hurt you and nobody can hurt you because he promised in Jesus' name. Amen.